Mahomes back, throws, it is incomplete, yes. picked off, picked off by the Lions. Brian Branch with it left side. He's going, baby! He's going to the house! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Deflected yes. in the air, Branch ran under it, and he took it all the way back. Welcome to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. It is week 13 of the NFL season, and I have invited in a, a, a guy a lot of you guys might know out there, 97.1 uh, sports writer Will Birchfield, does the pregame show for Fox 2 that I'm sure a lot of you guys watch, does a great job. Will dips his toes in a little bit of everything here <laughs> in Detroit. So look, we've got to start because I'm a hockey guy. Yes. I know you are yes. a hockey guy. There's an addition there with the uh, Detroit Red Wings that I think uh, Lions fans will be interested. Patrick yeah. Kane, veteran guy i know we talked about it in locker room the other day we're both yeah. pretty excited about that one it feels like the old days right when stars <laughs> flocked to hockey town to come yeah. hunt stanley cups think about that o2 team that had 10 hall of famers patty kane is a surefire first ballot hall of famer to see him choose the wings kind of a reminder of what things used to be for the wings in hockey town so you hope he can kind of summon his best from his from his from his prime and if he can Heads up, because Patty Kane playing with Dylan Larkin and Alex Debrinkit could be an All-American first line for that team. So I know you want to go watch him play. I'm going to watch him play as soon as he suits up. Yeah. It's a fun time to be a hockey fan again in Detroit. My son played travel hockey all through growing up since he was five years old. Number? 88 yeah, because baby. of Patrick Kane. He texted me. He was at school, which I you, you're kind of you're in trouble a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> in class. Dude, did you see who we just got? You yeah. know, he's so excited. So once he gets settled in, I know my son and, and me will go down there. And, he's and, showtime, man. I mean, I had his jersey growing up, too. The USA, Patty Kane, number 88. Yep. I did not wear it to his introductory press conference. <laughs> That's Resi- a good move. Resisted the years. Wanted to remove any bias from, from my reporting. But it's just exciting to have a guy of his stature playing in hockey town again. So you've got some young stars you've got some old stars mm-hmm. in in the red wings hopefully they're trending toward a playoff team same thing here with the detroit lions nice right you've got some well, young well guys here some veteran guys that are trending hopefully in the yeah. same direction toward the playoffs mm-hmm. you're here for the uh key matchup segment like we do every week we Love get it. into five um matchups and, and let's start with this one because i think it'll be an important one um it, jack campbell versus alvin yeah. Kamara. You know, Alex Anzalone is dealing with a hand injury, didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see what the uh, final report on, on Friday looks like, but it doesn't look like he's trending in the right direction, Will. And so this is an opportunity for Jack Campbell, right? Yeah. I mean, you were the number 18 mm-hmm. pick. Um, uh, Aaron Glenn said on Thursday that, look, he's going to handle the green dot. He's yep. going to handle um, the play calls. He's a true Mike linebacker. Yeah. His opportunity to shine, right? Yeah, and Aaron Glenn also said that's the reason we got him. Remember, when they drafted him, they raved about his ability to kind of be the glue and the centerpiece of a defense. And he's going to be the mouthpiece, as you mentioned, of that defense on Sunday. And he is going to have his hands full with Alvin Kamara because <laughs> yes, this is. guy is one of and has been one of the elite playmakers in the NFL. A five-time pro bowler. He can hurt you with the pass. He can hurt you on the ground. I do like the matchup for Campbell in this regard. He has tackled well all season long. Now he's been spotty in coverage, maybe not the pass rusher yet they want him to be. But as far as tackling, he's been really sound. And mm-hmm. 
Kamara can make you miss. So you better you better bring your best as a tackler. But I love the fact that the Campbell, besides last week, just one missed tackle all season. Wow. Now Kamara has forced 14 missed tackles in just seven games. Strength so, on strength, huh? Yeah, he, he he's elusiveness. I love watching the way he runs. Like he's not all that fast straight line, uh-uh. but he's slippery and 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 he's hard to bring down. He'll bounce off tackles. So when it comes to the run game, Campbell's gonna have to bring his best from a tackling standpoint. Now Kamara can also get you out of the backfield as a pass catcher. I I love this stat about him. He's entering game number 97 of his career. He has 9,700 scrimmage yards for his career. So an average on the nose of pretty much 100 per game. That's where he is this season. He's catching more passes than ever. I think he's got almost seven catches per game. 54, which leads all running backs. Yeah, and that would rank second on the Lions among all players. So Campbell is going to have to step up in coverage when called upon. But I do like the fact that as a tackler, I think his skill set matches up well, no one matches up great against AK-47, but matches up well enough to maybe hold him down from a rushing standpoint. To your points about the coverage, uh, opponents are completing 82% of the passes mm-hmm. that they throw his way. Yeah. A little higher than you'd like, but again, a rookie just learning this league, learning yeah. some of the techniques, learning to figure out the passing game, yeah. and it's a lot faster up here. A couple touchdowns, but uh, to your point, uh, he's going to have to be really, really yeah. good tackling in the mm-hmm. open field, especially when he's in those one-on-one matchups with Alan Kamara. Yeah, no doubt, and I, and I like what Glenn said also today, or on Thursday, and that was the fact that any meetings, he's actually begun to ask Angela Loney, just to, just to kind of quiet yeah. down when he asks questions. <laughs> and he says Campbell is always the voice that he hears next because he's he's beginning to gain a command, a grasp of this defense that he may have lacked, say, in September, even October. Yeah. And so I think that 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 understanding of the scheme should serve him well on Sunday, too, and probably his biggest test yet in the NFL. you got to like that about a rookie. Got to. Right? Stepping in, got middle to. linebacker, and, yeah. and I think Alex has been a good influence on him in yeah. that regard. Right, yeah. Let's go to the next one because I think this is a fun one. You've got We've talked about Aaron Glenn, but yeah. his kind of matchup with Taysom Hill I yeah. think is an interesting one because you look at Taysom Hill and the mm-hmm. weapon that he is, there's really, Will, no one like him mm-hmm. in, in, in the league. His ability – to throw the ball, to run the ball, to catch the ball. Yeah. He plays special teams. I mean, he does it all. And and Glenn was talking about he, he's faster than people think yeah. he is. He's stronger than people mm-hmm. think he is. He is a weapon. And, and look, Aaron it, it knows him well. Aaron was in mm-hmm. New Orleans yep. from 16 to 20 when Taysom was there. Nobody maybe knows him better in terms of defensive coordinator mm-hmm. around the league. You've got to know where that guy is because they will use packages with him. And, and you just you, you have to keep watching where he is. Yeah, if Taysom Hill competed in our media combine every summer, he, he would blow us out of the water. That, I wouldn't have won. The whole, the whole won pun, yeah, won. you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have a recording no. studio named after you downstairs. <laughs> the, the pass, punt, kick, I mean, he, he really can do it all. Do it how all. do you how do you game plan as a D coordinator for, at once, a quarterback, a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end? I mean, he, I think yeah. he's the only player in the NFL this season to have thrown a touchdown, to have caught a touchdown, and to have rushed for a touchdown. Yes. So, I don't know how you scheme him up. Aaron Glenn did say you never really know where he's going to line up. I'll give you one nugget that I find kind of interesting, and this might just be random, but when he has 40-plus rushing yards this season, the Saints are 3-0. and When he has 40-plus receiving yards, they're 0-3. So maybe... You just can't let him beat you on the ground. I mean, let him let him eat in the air if that's what it's going to be. But don't let he and Kamara kind of form this dynamic duo rushing the ball. I think Brian Branch is one guy 
that is yeah. flexible enough to, to maybe give the Lions a matchup edge against Branch. Like he can close on the ball quickly. Mm-hmm. He's tight in coverage. He's a great tackler. I, I would think Glenn tries to deploy Branch in a way against Taysom Hill. But again, when you don't know where he's going to be before the snap, it's hard to, to align your defense to stop him. But I think my takeaway is just eliminate or at least reduce his impact on the ground and hope that whatever he does as a pass catcher and the occasional thrower doesn't kill you. Yeah, to your point, week five against Chicago led the Saints in rushing, caught a touchdown, threw a touchdown. I mean, I mean it's just... What are you supposed to do against They that? won. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I think one area, Will, where it's going to be interesting, this one is the red zone. Mm. You look at the Saints last week, 0 for 5 against Atlanta, had over yeah. 400 yards of offense, couldn't get it done, had to kick five field goals. They rank among um, the league's worst offenses in the red zone. Detroit's defense, mm-hmm. 30th in the yeah. league in the red zone. I think that's going to be such an area of importance this week. And Taysom Hill's a guy I think they will utilize yeah. a lot in the red zone. So maybe it's not so much the the, the pre-snap reads and stuff like that, that that coaches always talk about getting on the on the same page with. It's once you see him lined up, mm-hmm. make sure you post-snap, you know, that, that yeah. you've got yourself a, an eye on him, know exactly what your mm-hmm. matchup is, and, and play good, technically sound football. Yeah, it seems like every time I see a Taysom Hill highlight, it's inside the 20. That's where they seem to That's deploy him, him. Mm-hmm. in all those different lineup alignments and positions. So I, I agree. Once, once the ball is live, you better have eyes on Taysom Hill because – he can do it all, as we know. And they'll use him as a decoy a lot, too. For so sure. they use him as that eye candy to free up other people. He's yeah. just he's a really fun weapon to have in his offensive court. Can you imagine Ben yeah. Johnson having a guy like oh that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. At the same time, I don't think Glenn <laughs> is sleeping all that much this no. week, thinking about Taysom Hill at every turn. All right, let's go to the other side of the football. <laughs> Carl Granderson, a good young player yeah. for them, good edge guy, leads yeah. them in sacks, uh, 14 quarterback hits, 10 tackles for loss, really kind of their most productive mm-hmm. player on defense. And he's going to get probably Taylor Decker. Um, yeah. He plays mostly that side. Um, I think that's a great matchup. Look, yeah, I, I think that if you were in that, I would have loved to have been a fly in the offensive <laughs> line room this week. After giving up 12 hits yeah. and three sacks, that wasn't their standard. No. And I think they all know it. Um, and I would have loved to just hear what the what what the attitude, the atmosphere was in that offensive line room this week. Yeah. And I would expect Taylor Decker, Penny Sewell, and those guys to have a much better performance this week. And Taylor's going to have a tough task with, with Carl Granderson. Yeah, those guys hold themselves to a high standard. And so does Dan Campbell. I mean, he yeah. has said as much this week. Like, that's probably the group on the team that he expects the most out of, just based on the talent, the continuity over the past three seasons, and the production. I mean, I mean, their resume speaks for itself. And that was below par last week for mm-hmm. them. And I think they're going to bounce back in a, in a big way. I love the fact that in this game, we, we have the Lions sack leader, Hutchinson, who was the second overall pick out of Michigan. And then Granderson, the Saints sack leader, who was an undrafted free agent out of Wyoming. Just to proof that there are good players everywhere. And the and, NFL and will talent, find you. And there's talent across the NFL. And if you can go sack the quarterback, someone's going to come find you. 100%. But Granderson has kind of evolved over time. I think he was more of a situational pass rush strictly guy over the first couple seasons. This year, he's playing almost every snap. He started every game. He's not just a pass rusher, also stout against the run. He's going to he's gonna provide challenges for Decker, for Sewell, um, in a lot of different ways, not just harassing Goff, but also trying to contain Montgomery and Gibbs and, and setting edges. But I do think those guys want a challenge like that mm-hmm. to prove that last week was just a blip. 
And I think it'll be important too if they can get Jonah Jackson yeah, back up front. Have that interior run guys. game makes because a huge I think it, difference. It, it makes a, a difference on the edge yeah, as well too. Yeah. So, all right, let's go to another one. Jared Goff, um, and and I put together this one with, with Paulson Adebo and, and Tyron Matthew just because those are the two guys that take away the football mm-hmm. the most for yeah. them. And and it's a defense in New Orleans that does a great job with that. I think they've got twenty on the year. That's fourth best in the league. Yeah. Um, Adebo's got four. Uh, Matthew's got three. Um, they got 14 interceptions as a team. And yeah. as we both know, I mean, that's been a little bit of issue with Jared in terms of not just the interceptions, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but the three fumbles mm-hmm. too. Uh, and so turnovers are the big key. That's why I think this is a big matchup. This is a defense yeah. that's been known to take the football away. Jared's got to be much better this week, not giving it to them. Yeah. And the same way that the offensive line, I think, relishes this opportunity to bounce back. Ditto Jared Goff. 100%. And you might say, man, after after six turnovers in the past two games, the last place you'd want to go is one of the hardest places to play for a quarterback in the NFL. I think this is exactly where a guy like Jared Goff wants to go. He wants to go into the Lions' den and prove that, that he can bounce back and, and, and overcome a raucous environment, a defense that, as you said, is not just fourth in takeaways but second in interceptions, and get back to the Goff that he was – for the past really two years, because since midway through 2021, he has been not just one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but one of the best at protecting the football. Yeah. That has slipped over the past two weeks. I, I think the one reason for concern for Lions fans, and this is kind of more of a, a PTSD take, is the fact that Goff, when he arrived here over the prior three seasons, had committed the most turnovers in the NFL. Now, they, he's done a great job of cleaning that up, along with Ben Johnson, that offensive line kind of protecting him, shepherding him. It's a little bit uh, eerie t- to see those turnovers in his past kind of catch up to him. But again, two games don't, erase, sample don't erase two years right. of, of demonstrated progress and growth. I do think his strides are real. And I do think that with that offensive line bouncing back, that Jared Goff should be just fine on. Sunday. I think it was a point of emphasis for Jared too. I mean, just you saw him do go through the um, ball security drills with mm-hmm. the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, and yeah. then they always do this drill. I was watching Thursday at the individual period where you know they go through their footwork and they try to hit the targets on the net, um, and they were trying to knock the ball out, mm-hmm. which I don't often see a lot. It's more normally just a footwork drill there, but yeah. it, it's a point of emphasis, right? And, and yeah. look, Jared um, says, look, I got to put two hands on it when mm-hmm. I when I start to roll out things like this. He wasn't worried about it. I'm not real worried about it until it becomes really uh, a, a systemic problem week yeah. after week after week. I think this is maybe just a two-game blip. I would be very, very, very surprised if Jared Goff, this offensive line, and this offense didn't come out and play really well on Sunday. Yeah, I would too. And it's also on the receivers, and, and Campbell has, has mentioned this. they got to get into their routes and then in and out of their breaks. I, I think when you look at turnovers, obviously we're going to focus on Goff because it's three picks and it was three fumbles, but that's also a product of what's happening around him. And sometimes yeah. it's the offensive line yielding pressure. Other times it's receivers not getting themselves open quickly enough. Goff has said he needs to hone his drop. He's begun to drift a little bit in the pocket and kind of create problems for himself. But it's not just a Goff quarterback problem. This offense together is is guilty of those turnovers. I do think they correct them. I think I think they bounce back in a pretty impressive way on Sunday. I agree. Let's end it with this one. Um, Aiden Hutchinson versus Ryan Ramchick. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think that's a great matchup. And yeah. look, w- when you are coming off a loss, right, and you didn't play particularly well on either side of the ball, there were some moments, obviously, for this Lions defense. But, um, you know, they've gotten a lot of criticism over the – 
past month or so with this pass rush. Mm-hmm. And, and, and obviously that's highlighted by the performance last week on Thanksgiving, really not being able to get after Jordan Love. To me, when, when you need a bounce back like that, you need your best players yeah. to be the ones that, that step up and make that play like yeah. he did at the end of the Chicago mm-hmm. game. Do it a little bit earlier, right? And just impact that game. Make yeah. that play that mm-hmm. changes momentum. I think you look to your star players to do that. And so I think for this defense and this pass rush that that's ranked 26 with only 23 sacks, I think they need their best players to yeah. step up. Yeah, it's Hutchinson. By far. We, yeah. we, all, we all know that. Yeah. There's a reason he's getting double teamed on almost every single snap right. because opposing defenses look across or offenses look across that D line and don't see many other threats right now besides Hutch and McNeil on the inside. Yeah. So it's incumbent upon other players to win one on ones. It's also incumbent upon Hutchinson to continue raising his game. Now, I know fans might be tired of hearing this. He still is fourth in the NFL in QB pressures, and yeah. he's behind only Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, and Max Crosby, who Those we might consider right. three of the best <laughs> pass rushers of, of this generation. Yeah. And he's ahead of then Josh Allen and TJ Watt. He's also fourth in QB hits, tied with Aaron Donald, who yeah. is hands down the best defensive player maybe ever, but certainly of his generation. So he's in the right company when it comes to getting to the quarterback. Now it's finished. It's just getting the quarterback on the ground. And and obviously that's what people measure you by. Sacks are always going to be the gold standard for a pass rusher. Hutchinson knows that, he embraces that. They do tend to come in bunches. Like we talk about turnovers coming in bunches. Sacks also tend to come in bunches. I I think once he gets one again, we're gonna see two, three, four, five, kind of like that that Falcons game, that 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 Packers game, that Raiders game. Besides those three games, though, the Lions as a team have five sacks in eight games this yeah. season. So that's cause for concern for a team that does have playoff ambitions and larger playoff ambitions. They need more guys besides Hutch and Mack to step up and win on the edge. Who's a guy for you that that you look at that that needs to be kind of that guy. Well, I'll reference the one that Aaron Glenn referenced today, and that's Josh Pascal, a second, a second round yep. pick who has a track record of, of clear college success. When he's been healthy enough to play and play consistently, he has imposed his will and made an impact on games, left an imprint. I think that's the guy that we're looking at. We know these coaches are looking at mm-hmm. and that Josh Pascal himself is looking at. He will point to himself and say, I need to help these guys out on the edge. He's been good enough against the run. Needs to get home to the quarterback. Maybe Sunday is his breakout game in the NFL. The Lions could certainly use it because they could use some pressure on Derek Carr. They could use their Mm -hmm. offense to step up their offensive line to play better and really go handle business. It's a big game for both teams. The the Saints are five and six. They're trying to stay. First place team at five and six. They're trying to stay in the the Big Ten West. I'm sorry, the the (laughs) the NFC South, also, also known as. (laughs) <laughs> you're serious it's just starting stuff yeah. <laughs> and, and for Detroit obviously with the two and a half game lead over Minnesota you want to continue uh, you want to make that three yeah. games yeah. With, with, with five to go with yeah. two get huge games week 16 week to 18 against Minnesota so yeah. big game for each team it should be a fun one Dan Campbell's going back home he's going to get some yeah. shrimp, Aaron Glenn shrimp going gumbo. back Aaron, Aaron going back Glenn's home. Yeah. we'll see Jamal Williams yeah. it's too bad Alex Anzalone won't be back I know uh, he's got some, some big time ties over there too but yeah. it's a big game in the NFC he is Will Birchfield, does a great job with 97.1, the pregame show with Fox. Make sure you catch him there. Thanks for joining me, man. I oh, appreciate man, it. It's a pleasure. I'll see you at LCA to go see Patty Kane. Let's do it. We're not going to miss him. We're not. <laughs> <laughs>
Welcome back to the 20 Mill Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I am very help, happy to welcome in John DeSager, uh, who does a great job, the senior writer down with the New Orleans Saints. John, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Hey, Tim, I appreciate you having me, man. All right, well, let's get into the, get into it right away. Obviously, a big game for, for both teams, um, both teams coming off losses. I'm pretty sure down there you guys felt like maybe you gave one away, having 400 yards of offense going 0 for 5 in the red zone. And you look at Detroit, they probably feel the same thing about their Thanksgiving Day game with three turnovers and, and you know, some of the um, – some of the things that happened on fourth down, not taking advantage of some of those situations. Just how, how big of a game do you guys view this in, in New Orleans and in, in, uh, how good of a matchup do you expect Sunday at the uh, Caesar Superdome? Well, it's huge for the Saints. I mean, you know, they're five and six and yeah, they're in first place in the NFC South, which probably says a little bit of something about the NFC South. But I mean, they really need a win here because, you know, yeah, they're tied with Atlanta, but Atlanta actually has the head to head and they need to start stacking together some wins. There's only six games left. Uh, they've given away in their account, you know, several of those games. So, you know, if they had a little bit more red zone efficiency, as you mentioned, 0 for 5 on Sunday, but, you know, 17 of 40 for the season, uh, 42 and a half percent, which is, I think, fourth worst in the league. Uh, you can't win NFL games that way. You've got to be efficient in the red zone. Uh, field goals won't get it. You know, you need touchdowns. You need sevens down there. And they have not been doing that for the majority of this season. I think that'll be an interesting aspect of Sunday's game. You look at the Lions defensively. That's one of the areas where they've struggled a little bit. I think they rank 30th in the league in red zone defense. So, uh, you know, obviously a, a kind of pour on pour there. Maybe who gets it done will have an edge in this game on Sunday. John, let's talk about the injuries a little bit. Obviously a little bit more concerning in New Orleans than they are in Detroit. Um, but good sign to see Chris Olave back on the practice field on Wednesday. I know it was limited. Just how is he doing and, and, and how is New Orleans from an injury standpoint? Well, it was fantastic to see him because, you know, we didn't know what his status would be considering it's his second concussion that he got in Atlanta, uh, his second in two seasons. So we didn't know exactly what his status was going to be. Uh, but seeing him on the practice field was encouraging for the team because, you know, right now or in last season, he is the number one receiver on this team. And so they need him, especially if Michael Thomas is already on injured reserve. Uh, it looks like Rashid Shahid is not going to be go going because of a quad injury. So those are your top three receivers. And Alave is the only one remaining. So you know he's going to draw special attention on Sundays, you know, from the opposing team. But having him out there obviously means that, yeah, other guys have to fill in, but maybe they'll get a little bit more space because of the attention that Alave will draw. So good to have him back on the field. Uh, Cam Jordan, who missed practice uh, on Wednesday, left the game in Atlanta early uh, with an ankle injury. And, you know, he's one of those guys who has never, he's only missed one game in his 13-year NFL career. Uh, and that was due to a... Yeah, due to a fractured orbital bone, which basically they had to sit it down. He was not going. He was not going to sit down. The team had to make him sit down. So he's missed one game. So you know, I would expect him to play if at all possible on Sunday. He's one of those guys. Unless a bone is protruding, he literally is going to be playing. So I expect him to be out on the field. But maybe bigger. Uh, Pete Werner didn't work. The linebacker. He has an oblique injury. Uh, he didn't work on Wednesday, so he needs to be out there in the field because. You know, for, you know, he's the second best linebacker, obviously, behind Demario Davis, one of the top defensive players on this team. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore probably will not be going because he got injured uh, earlier and didn't play in the Atlanta game. And so he's going to be out maybe a couple of more weeks. And, you know, you have Isaac Yadam at that at that cornerback position. So the Saints are beat up a little bit. They are a little bit more healthy on the offensive line, which has been the position where they've been a lot beat up this season. Uh, looks like they might be getting some continuity there. Uh, but to have out 
you know, Marshawn Lattimore and Michael Thomas and Rashid Shaheed and possibly Cam Jordan, uh, big losses for the Saints. Sounds like it's the uh, next man up mentality down there in New Orleans this week, certainly. John, one guy maybe Lions fans don't know who who could have an impact um, come Sunday's matchup. Uh, well, I think they know Taysom Hill, and I think they know Alan Kamara, and I, and I mean, you know, the guy they might not know so much about, you know, Carl Granderson, the defensive yeah. end, who's having a really good season this year. He's got five and a half sacks, leads the team. Uh, he's really played well at that defensive end slot. Having said that, Saints only have 18 sacks this season, and they have not been able to generate the kind of pressure that they want to generate. Uh, Carl Granderson started fast. And the entire defensive line, the entire defense for that matter, has tailed off when it comes to getting to the quarterback. Now, Jared Goff might be a little less mobile than the quarterbacks they've seen during this five, six game stretch. So that might help out a bit. But he's probably the guy to watch at right defensive end because he's been the guy who's had the most impact on that defensive line. That'll be a fun matchup when it's Panay Sewell and him matched up to two of the, the better young players in this league at their respective positions. The Lions have talked about the Saints defense this week as an opportunistic defense. And and you just look at some of the takeaway numbers within their second in the league in interceptions. I think they're fourth overall, John, in, in takeaways. Is that a good way to describe this unit? What, what do they do well? Why are they able to kind of generate those big plays on defense that have kept them in games and helped them win games this year? Yeah, well, we mentioned they haven't been getting the sacks, but they have been generating some pressure to force some errant throws. And the coverage has been really good on the back end, especially Paulson Adebo. He's got four interceptions. Uh, he leads the team, and he's been really good at, at left cornerback. He's been really good at that position. So they have been able to get some takeaways. The issue with the Saints defense really has been, you know, the strength of the the, deem, the strength of the unit and really the strength of the team uh, the last several years has been run defense. They've been able to stop the run, and they have not been able to do it this year. Atlanta had 228 rushing yards against the Saints, and generally that's something that it would take you know, three opponents to accumulate, and the Falcons got it in one game. In, in the NFL, I think we all know, Tim, if you can't stop the run, you can't stop anything on defense. And so, and so that's been the Saints' issue. They have not been able to stop the run. They haven't been able to get off the field on defense. That's something – and we know that that is a Lions strength. The Lions obviously are going to play to that. And they probably are looking at the film saying, OK, this is a unit we can take advantage of. And until the Saints show that they can stop it, every team is going to think that and going to go in the game looking at that because they have not been able to stop it for at least six weeks now. Yeah, good point by you. Detroit Lions have three 200-yard rushing performances this year, top five in the NFL in rushing. So obviously that's what they want to come in and do, set the tone uh, for their offense. Jared Goff is terrific at play action off that run, but really their offense is predicated on on running the football, so that'll be an interesting dynamic to watch early in this one. When you talk to Dennis uh, Allen this week, what's his biggest concern maybe when, when talking about Detroit on either side of the football? Well, that run game that we talked about. And also, yeah. Jared Goff is really hes really accurate when he gets the time. Uh, you want to get him off his spots, obviously, but if you can't get him off his spots and, and the rush game is going to have to do that, the pass rush is going to have to do that, if you can't get him off his spots, then he's an accurate thrower and he's got some guys that he can throw it to. And, of course, you know, you build everything off the run game. I uh, know defensively, you know, the Lions probably, you know, ha- haven't been exactly what they want to be. But, you know, if, if you've got Aiden Hutchinson, You've got a guy who can get to the quarterback. And if you've got a guy who can get to the quarterback, either he can get there 
or because you have to pay special attention to him, he can free up someone else to be able to get there. So I, I would think that the Lions pass rush is something that is pretty primary on the Saints mind because they did have some issues protecting the passer earlier in this season. They gave up like 17 sacks in the first three games, and that was alarming. And they were able to kind of settle down. And they've been pretty good at that in the last few weeks. But still, it's an issue that isn't completely solved because you still can get to the Saints quarterback with some pressure. So it's one of those things where, you know, we know Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, we're pretty familiar with him. And so we know AG is not just going to sit back and allow Derek Carr to be comfortable in that situation. Yeah, Dan Campbell certainly looking forward to going back, seeing a lot of old friends there. There's the um, uh, Aaron Glenn connection there. Fun little matchup this week with 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 some of these coaching staffs, some of these players. Obviously, Jamal Williams down there. Lions fans know him really, really well. An interest, interesting dynamic with 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 a uh, you know a lot of guys that are very familiar with each other. What's what's the opinion of Dan Campbell in New Orleans? I'm curious. We love it. We love it. Look, I know a lot of people kind of had a little fun when he was talking about biting people's kneecaps, but that's Dan. <laughs> That's exactly who he is. Uh, there's nothing fake about that dude. I mean, when he said that, I mean, everybody kind of, like I said, you know, I mean, obviously he's not talking about literally biting somebody's kneecaps, but what he was saying was, you know, look, we'll do anything we can to win a game. And he's that type of dude. And you can see it in his roster. You can see it in his players, a kind of guy who gives you that confidence. He gives you that backbone. He gives you that grit. He gives you that, you know, I believe whoever it is we're playing, if we play hard enough, we got a chance. And look, there, there are a lot of guys who are coaches. There are a few guys who are leaders of men who make people want to do the things that they that they ask him to do. And man, he's really, really good at that. Just a really um, emotional guy, uh, an inspirational leader. I think everybody who saw him on Hard Knocks got a real good look into who he was. And you got a good feel for the kind of person he is and the kind of and the kind of coach he is. And you can understand why players want to play hard for this guy, because he is genuine. That's that's who he is. And I think guys really, really enjoy that. I know the Saints players enjoy being around him because, you know, he's just such a fiery, feisty guy. Yeah, he's looking forward to some of that shrimp gumbo that he's going to get down there too. We talked about that this week. Where's where's a good spot he can go get some of that? I'm sure he knows, but but maybe if our our audience, some Detroit people, are going down there, where where's the best spot? Man, I, I, it's hard to find a restaurant that you can't get something. I would say go. <laughs> it's in, one of those places. I love New Orleans. <laughs> You're so right. It, yeah, it's just I, one of those spots. You know, now there's a place, Neo's Cafe, that is really, really fantastic. They're going to have a really good, you know, good meal there if they decide to go there. And also, but anywhere in the French Quarter, if they're down there, which I would imagine that's where they're going to be, you know, go yep. down, you know, not, not necessarily Bourbon Street, but in the French Quarter, the, the restaurants surrounding Bourbon Street will give you great meals and everybody pretty much does a pretty good gumbo. It just depends on what kind of gumbo you want. You know, if you're a guy who wants the okra in it, eh, but there are a lot of people who like the chicken, the sausage gumbo. Uh, oh, so, yeah. you know, it, it's really good around here. There you go, Lions fans. There's the, there's the scoop, the inside uh, the inside scoop of, of where to go. John, I appreciate you taking the time. Big game for both teams. You know, New Orleans trying to stay atop the South. Obviously, the Lions are, are you know, trying to spread some distance between them and Minnesota. Both teams looking to get back on track. It should be a fun one. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. We'll see you down in New Orleans on Sunday. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me, and good luck every week every week with this one. <laughs> All right, John, have a good one. Welcome.
Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. Very happy to welcome Graham Glasgow, veteran guard for the Detroit Lions. And let, let's start with this, Graham. You obviously don't have a performance that you guys like on Thanksgiving. You love having the mini buy to get healthy, but is it harder after a performance like that, having a little bit of buy, waiting for a game? Are you one of those guys that would rather just kind of get right back at it, get that bad taste maybe out of your mouth? Or did you enjoy having the time at this point in the season to maybe get healthy, um, you know, get, get your body back to where you're feeling good heading into week 13? Um, I mean, I, I didn't, I mean, nobody really liked, you know, what happened on Thanksgiving, but it's really stinks to have to wait like three yeah. days, four days before you come back into the building and then hash it out with your coaches. And that's probably the worst, you know, the worst part about it. You're just sitting there like, you know, they talk about having a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. I mean, you, you just sit there waiting to even go over it <laughs> and you're yeah. just like, oh, Jesus. And um, I mean, I think that it, you know no matter like when it is on a short week or maybe it was like in prime time, maybe it's just a normal Sunday game. Like nobody is happy, you know, after a bad game. So I, I, I think that we're looking forward to this upcoming week. I mean, you guys rushed for 140 yards. You guys did some good things on offense, but I think you guys in that room probably hold yourself to such a high standard that when you see three sacks, when you see 12 hits, that's probably the things that jump out to you guys. What's been the the atmosphere in the room this week, in that O-line room, just really kind of wanting to get back at it and prove that maybe that was a little bit of an anomaly on Thanksgiving? I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of it. I think that especially like yesterday at practice when we had the pads on, I thought things were pretty crisp and things were going well. And I think that we, you know, in general, I think a lot of guys felt like they didn't really have their best performance. And as you said, a lot of it kind of came in like the pass pro side of things. Mm -hmm. I thought the run game stuff was usually pretty, pretty fine for the most part. But I mean, it's just, yeah, itching to get back out there and have another, uh, have another game. I, I don't know if people appreciate the job that you have done this year. I mean, you've started at center, you've started at right guard, you've started at left guard, you rank in the top 10 by pro football focus in terms of grades along the interior. Just how, I don't want you to have to brag yourself up, but just how difficult is going from right to left to center? Is it just as an interior lineman, do you just know that at any given time, I could move and I have to study them all. Just, just how difficult is that to maybe week to week, never really know that you're going to be settled into one spot. Uh, when you're playing like one position, I feel like it's just kind of like human nature to not think about other things, like not think about the other spots. Right. And like, that's just, I, I wasn't thinking about it. I just was going through, you know, I did a little bit of center. I was playing center and right guard in camp and that's fine. That's the spot. Those are the spots I've probably played the most. Those are the spots I've played the most in my career. So I didn't really, you know, that didn't really mind it. But then like the left guard stuff that I didn't, I wasn't really happy about that. I mean, I hadn't played it since like 2017. Right. Um, which sound, you know, it sounds like a long time ago now, huh? Yeah. You're saying that a lot, but um, <laughs> we're getting old, but yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> um, just going back and forth. I, I, I wasn't really a fan of it, but I mean, it's just what we had to do for yeah. the, for, you know, to give the ch team the best chance to win. And um, I mean, most of the games went well, so I can't really complain. What's but. the biggest difference? Because maybe some people who don't know football will say, well, you're just moving over two spots. I mean, you're mm -hmm. still playing guard. What's the difficult spot about going from right to left along the interior where people have to remember things happen a lot faster on the inside? They, they do. I mean, I think a lot of it just kind of comes down to what you're, comfortable with and everything is just like it's not like 
everything is kind of reversed. Like the stuff that you're comfortable doing on one side is like the opposite on the mm-hmm. other side. So things that it may, and, it, and people might not like even think about like post feet and like what foot is like your back foot, your brace foot. And at the end of the day, I think that it's just like what you fall into like a rhythm kind of when you play a spot for like a long sure. enough period of time to where you're, you're able to like sink in your hips correctly. Like it feels good. Mm-hmm. And when you're, shifting around moving around it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right like it may look fine but it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't feel right and um so that was kind of what i felt when i was going from right to left and then going to center was uh was cool i mean that was just like it was fine i've played center that's that's fine but having to go from right guard to left guard to center my hips were out like wonky. I was <laughs> just wonky, and I was uh, I was happy to get the buy after that and be able to kind of like work some work some things out. Yeah. So that was good. Well, from the outside and looking at it, from the outside looking in, it it looked all good because uh, credit to you for being able to to step in there and, and, and keep the thing moving forward while, yeah. when, when your team needed. Speaking of stepping forward, getting maybe some guys about how good it was at Jonah back at practice this week. He's missed the last couple of games. We'll see um, how the weekend trends to see if he's trending toward playing or not. But just to get him back there and have you five guys back together again, it seems like we just haven't seen it a whole lot. I think only two starts with the top five just because of injuries and guys moving in and out how good was it to have jonah back and and just get the five of you guys back together this week it feels good i mean i think that as long as jonah's like healthy and as you said trending really good then i think that it's just going to be nice to be able to have everybody out there you know everybody is really experienced everybody knows what to do and i think that that's what is part of what makes us so good when we can all play yeah and um jonah's a big part of it i think jonah's a really really great guard so having him back out there should be a big help how fun is it, Graham, to be just a part of this offense? I mean, you look at it, it's pretty rare to be top five in the league in passing and running, just to be versatile like that. And to have an offensive coordinator in Ben Johnson where a fourth and six late in a game, like he'll he'll call a run play to, to keep the defense off, off guard just because he trusts you guys in that backfield so much. How much fun of an offense is this to be a part of? It's amazing. I mean, I it feels really great when things are going well. You know what I mean? Which happens and more like, often yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, definitely. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this season so far, things have gone well. Yeah. And it's it's been really, really fun. And I've been in a lot of situations. I've been on a lot of teams where things haven't always gone well. And it's not nearly as fun. No. And uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, we have a lot of bright coaches here, a lot of guys who are smart, a lot of guys who usually put us in, like, the right place and – get us in situations that like cater to you know what we do best and uh i think that the results have kind of showed for themselves how much have you been impressed with dan campbell in that regard and what he's been able to do not only just putting the staff that you just talked about together but it seems like there's a there's just a a mindset here a culture that that's been built that maybe wasn't here the last time you were here and just talk about the job that Campbell's done and he seems like a a, a, a kind of coach that a player will run run through a wall for is is that accurate yeah I mean I think that Dan is he's a really good motivator he's a good leader and I think that that's something that you're really kind of looking for you know sometimes I'm not saying that it's like a bad thing to have a coach that's like always even keeled because it, you know, when shit's hitting the fan, right? Like that's somebody you'd want to be around. But I feel like Dan is somebody who can always rally the troops no matter the situation. You yeah. Know? You know, Dan's always getting getting people like just riled up. 
which I kind of like. Speaking of riled up, that Ford Field crowd has been riled up. Uh, from your first stint here to now, seems like night and day. How much fun is it to be back in there when you guys are winning and it's as loud and as ruckus as it's been? And then for the fans to travel on the road, too, and, and, mm-hmm. and give you guys some love on the road as well. The fans have been amazing. I mean, and this has been a it's been a great environment, especially like the home games. You know, I feel like the, the fans are always you know, not only are they being loud when we're on defense and the other teams on offense, I feel like they're usually pretty good about, you know, making sure that it's quiet enough for us to like, you know, operate the offense as optimally as we can. Yeah. And I think that it's just been, as you said, it's just amazing. They're doing a great job. <laughs> Talk about New Orleans a little bit, some veteran guys up front, um, some young guys, just what you see from their defense. They're, I think, top eight in, in points allowed, top 12 in total defense. They're fourth in, in taking the football away. I know that's been a point of emphasis for your offense after the, the seven turnovers the last two weeks. But just what's been the, maybe the one thing that jumped out from New Orleans? What do you guys have to be really good at up front this week? I think a lot of it just kind of comes down to the details i think that they have some guys they have like a style of defense that they like to play and i feel like we're you know we're talking about it we're going about like our preparation in a way that i think can you know counteract that yeah i think that they have as you said they have some good veteran players along the d-line i also feel like they have a one of the best linebackers in football in demario davis Mm. um so, I mean, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good game. You know, we've played some good fronts this year. We've played some good linebackers this year. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, as I said, it just comes down to the little things and the details, making sure that you're not overlooking something. Outside of the Baltimore game, why have you guys been so good on the road going into that hostile environment? You guys play really well on the road. I think this comes maybe as a perfect at a perfect time for you guys to, to get together, go back on the road, kind of a us against them mentality. You guys have had that really the whole year, but what makes you guys so good on the road? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think it just kind of, I think, as I said a little bit earlier, kind of about like, especially on like the offensive line, how like a lot of the guys are experienced and like kind of yeah. know what they're supposed to do. I feel like if the communication's not always like 100%, you're able to kind of figure things out on your own where maybe, you know, some younger guys might not be able to like, think about it you know what i mean they yeah. might get caught up in the noise or caught up in anything else and i think that our quarterback is really good at being loud in the huddle making sure that you know he has the play calls just exactly how it came in and overall i think that just kind of probably boils down to the experience well i'm excited for this week i know you guys are excited to get back at it after kind of what happened on thanksgiving i'd be really shocked if if jared didn't come out and have a good game you guys up front didn't come out and have a good game and you guys score some points offensively go down there have fun get a win and stay top of the nfc north definitely thanks, appreciate man. you